you know what? Stop talking about it, and you can use this in the recording. <laughs> Why don't we stop talking about it and start talking about it? Hey guys, welcome to the show. How to survive the modern world or Gen X isn't just a fashion statement. Presented by Tribe74.com. Check them out. Hey, I'm joined today by my uh, my forever partner, Andrew, and uh, my good friend, uh, Derek, who uh, I haven't talked to in, in a little bit, but uh, you've you got quite a bit of stuff going on. What are you doing these days, Derek? Oh, well, isn't that the proverbial question? What, what aren't I doing these days? <laughs> I'm currently working for a company up in Hamilton, uh, Comic Pro Line. Uh, I've got some side hustle stuff I've been doing, some fun prints. And uh, yeah, I've been uh, very, very deep down the rabbit hole of cryptocurrencies and NFTs and all those fun stuff. So, uh, you know what? Like, ever since I've known you, Derek, you've had your hands like in everything, and it's. Uh... You know, if, you know, one way it's creepy, the other way it's uh, it's awesome. Like uh, you, you actually seem to keep me ahead of uh, ahead of the uh, game uh, in in some of the stuff that uh, I've taken on. It's yeah, it's interesting. I um I I don't like being idle. Does that make sense? I always need to have something to occupy my time. It's not like an OCD or thing. I just I like to be functioning. And um, welcome to the show. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. You're, you're already ahead of us now. <laughs> functioning <laughs> um yeah and it's just um what i've been what i've been doing with uh, cryptocurrencies the past few years and and stuff like that it's been absolutely fascinating it's been keeping me um busy it's been keeping me humble to let people know uh derek is a collector and a nerd just like uh just like us so uh i think that's kind of uh part of it uh, you can't see it right now but uh, he's got a bunch of comic book posters and comic book prints uh, and comic books behind him uh, kind of like Spawn, I do. Spider yeah. Gwen, the old the old Joker. I love that Joker cover. That's a is that that's a Sinkovich, I think. Um, no, Jock. Oh, Jock, Jock. Okay, yeah, yep. yeah. Another another very. Uh, they're both a uh, kind of similar artist in a way. Yeah. Uh, keeping busy seems to be the thing that we have to do. Doesn't matter, uh, you know, if we've got life to to live. You know, we always seem to have to keep doing something, right? So maybe it is OCD, or maybe it's just a nerd thing. I don't know. I guess it is definitely a uh, a nerd thing. Uh, the nice thing about it is there's never a dull moment. Well, I've never a dull moment in Nerdville. Yeah, that, that's for sure. Speaking of Nerdville, there's something uh, I came across today, uh, flipping through YouTube. I love to do that for no reason at all. And uh, I found about, I found out about something called the Lost Media Wiki. So uh, something that for you guys to look at, I'm going to have to make it a, a new topic. Uh, it's basically about like uh, these guys hunting down lost media whether it's like, you know, just like footage or cartoons or uh, like controversial subjects and stuff like that where media has been oh. lost. Like whether it's like, think of like maybe Doctor Who, remember like they're all the original Doctor Who films and all that stuff were burned up and that. And these guys are trying to find, you know, like they have stuff about Bugs Bunny, but then they also have some of this more sketchy stuff like, you know, like uh, suicide tapes and stuff like that. So they, they, there is a darker side to it. But it's really cool and just intriguing, and I'd never heard of it. But I guess it's a thing that's been going on for a little bit, and uh, it's pretty cool. So something for you guys to look out for as nerds in the future, and definitely going to talk about it on a future show. Yeah, it reminds me of that. Cool. Um, 
that videotape that used to circle way before oh. the internet called Faces of Death. Yeah, yeah, the Faces of Death. So, <laughs> so this doesn't seem. This seems a little more wholesome. Um, yeah, like then Faces of Death was obviously it was that tape that you know all your friends talked about, and that one guy said he saw it, but you know nobody ever had verifiable proof oh, that he ever right. saw it. <laughs> But uh, yeah, and then you know they talked about it. Always there's always that rumor. Oh yeah, there's a live video of a guy getting eaten by an alligator and stuff. And you know everybody just like oh that's terrible and stuff. I and mean, we got to see this tape, but nobody ever seemed to have it. So, but uh, the, these guys actually, I guess they they find that stuff, and uh, it's pretty cool. It's a really interesting uh, a thing that I just kind of came across today. And uh, you know before before the show, and I was like I went down a little bit of a rabbit hole. And uh, can you can you find the world's first tweet on there? Well, you can certainly buy it, and ah. uh, and that's going to lead into one of our topics today, I think. So uh, I don't know if, uh, Andrew, did you uh, happen to read that article I forwarded you about? Uh, uh, yeah, I started on that, and um, there are a couple different uh, a couple different art forums that, that I've kind of subscribed to, and that's all they can talk about right now. Yeah, the, the, the first tweet. So uh, I guess I guess with that I'll kind of jump in and just kind of give everybody an update. So this is uh, our, our subjects for today tonight are uh, and we asked uh, with our special guest Derek uh, what he wanted to talk about and NFTs uh, kind of leads into the very first tweet uh, and uh, then we're going to talk about uh, cartoons that you've watched as a kid and uh, see if uh, you know. We'll go over there and see what uh, what people have to say about that. And then finally, I think something that we're all familiar with, uh, record shops. Uh, the great thing about these subjects uh, is that uh, we all kind of hit on them in some of our previous shows in a way. We talked about some of this stuff, but, uh, you know, uh, NFTs, I think, are, are, are new and emerging technology collecting kind of thing. And, you know, definitely new to me. Yeah, collecting is something that uh, that Andrew and I discussed about last time about how we collect and what we're collecting. And well, there apparently is a new way to collect on the on the the internet or digitally. So uh, Derek, maybe you could tell us a little bit about NFTs. Yeah, well, you you kind of touched on it a bit there when you're talking about the first tweet. So you're talking about Jack Dorsey, and what he did is he actually tokenized his very first tweet, um, and sold it as an NFT, and he sold it for two point five million dollars. Yeah, so now that, five million. That's so dumb. now that person <laughs> owns a digital version of Jack Dorsey's very first tweet as a tradable token. And I'll kind of I'll kind of talk about it. So we're talking about NFT. So an NFT is a non-fungible token. And I'll break it down like this. Like uh, fungibility refers to uh, an asset's ability to be exchanged with a similar asset without sacrificing value. So a fungible token would be a Bitcoin for a Bitcoin or a Litecoin for Ethereum, something like that, okay? An NFT is a digital object that can be a drawing, an animation, a piece of music, photograph, video, anything like that, that has a certificate of authenticity and is created by the blockchain. Now, blockchain goes back to this whole cryptocurrency thing. And what a blockchain is, is a blockchain is a public ledger that shows all transactions that's occurred within that token. So the nice thing about the, the NFT is, is it provides providence to the validity of the, of the whatever you're selling. And also it allows the, the sellers of the NFTs to bake in royalties. And I'll give you an example. Rob, you're an artist. Yeah. 
you draw a painting, you sell it for a thousand dollars, you've made a thousand dollars. Yeah. Five years from now, the person you sold it to sold it for ten thousand dollars. How much of that ten thousand dollars did you get? You wouldn't get anything because you sold it originally, right? Five years down the road, that seller now sells it for fifty thousand dollars. How much do you get of that fifty thousand dollars? Still zero. With NFTs, you can bake in royalties. So every time an NFT changes hands, the original owner gets money. That's crazy. 5%, 10% artists are all over this. Musicians, photographers, it's crazy. So the, this is a, the, the thing that kind of intrigued me. At first, I wasn't really sure. I didn't, I didn't understand. I just thought it was, uh, uh, I thought this was something that, uh, you know, I remember comic books in a while back, they tried doing like this digital comic thing or, or trading cards were doing it where oh yeah you know you had these 3d uh holographic images of, of players and stuff like that that you would like get if you bought a certain card and stuff like that and but that was all you got right you never really thought much of it back then but i guess this is basically that ideal idealism coming to life and not only that but now it's rewarding creators who never really get rewarded for the stuff they do yeah well um, Gary Fee had a really good way of kind of summing up NFTs and it will really, it will really resonate with you guys. And for example, you both play video games, right? Yeah. You ever bought an item in a video game? Oh, way too many. That's an, <laughs> NFT. That's an NFT. Okay. Okay. So, so that makes, that makes sense. Yeah. And then, so you, you hold on, you hold on to the ownership, but I guess, I guess the difference with an NFT, uh, as opposed to that video game is that once that video game's kind of dried up and disappeared, I mean, you don't really hold that anymore and there's no value ah, to it. So this is the interesting thing is the NFT is now designed to live outside of that ecosystem. So if you right. buy a sword, it won't just be used for one particular game. It might be used for five or 10. But if this sword is valuable, you can sell it to other people now. Which it, That's yeah, crazy. It's, so so yeah. it's basically, it's, 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 a digital, it's a digital comic book or a digital trading card to a certain point, but with this value that like follows it everywhere it goes and pays everybody who's touched it, essentially, That's right? That's it. It's the authenticity and the providence that uh, attributed to it. You cannot dispute it. It's brilliant. Now you can follow it right, uh, right back to the creator. 100%. And that's the blockchain. That's the ledger. So kind of, so kind of like, you know, like the, the uh, digital currency and stuff like that. Is this, is this really the first step to destroying and bringing down the man? Like, I, not, not to make it sound stupid or, or simple, but is this really? I mean, you're taking, you are basically taking the, the publisher, not necessarily the publisher, but uh, the recording industry, for instance, right? You remember they always had those executives sitting there and, you know, deciding yeah. who, who become famous. You're basically yeah. taking them out of the, uh, out of it, essentially, right? I don't think if you're necessarily destroying a foundation like that, what you're doing is you're allowing or you're putting more power back into the artists themselves to have more control over who and how they get their art, whether it be music, video, artwork, anything like that. No, this, that, that's where it should be. Like, honestly, 100%, 100%. where it should be. But you're still going to need record labels, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. You're still going to need tour managers because those are all important part of the, the medium. But it also allows a larger audience now. It is decentralized. So the majority, and I say majority, about 99.92% of all NFTs exist on the Ethereum blockchain. All right? Which 
is fine right now because Ethereum is what is kind of everyone has been using. Everyone's been using DeFi, all that kind of stuff. But in the wings, there are next generation blockchains that are going to blow Ethereum out of the water. Things like Cardano, Polkadot, Uniswap, all those things. These are these are blockchains that run faster, cheaper, more efficient, and more importantly, scalable. Don't don't forget uh, XLM, which I bought into. So uh, make sure you guys get, uh, raise the value on that. <laughs> but uh... <laughs> yeah, we could shill all our tokens here tonight. I have no problem doing that. <laughs> so it's interesting because it. Uh, Kind of the way I first found out about it was you posted something on uh, on social media, uh, these uh, figures that you bought, the digital yeah. figures, and there's like Batman and uh, uh, Robin uh, or Night Nightwing, I Nightwing. guess it's called now. Yeah. Uh, you know, those were I, I'm looking at them, and go, oh, those are pretty awesome. I thought, you know, I, I didn't know you're into that stuff, and where where do you store them? You know, and yeah. uh, then I realized, wait a second, that's digital, <laughs> right? So so what Andrew and I were kind of talking about last time is that, you know, now the, you know, the, the matter of collecting and stuff like that is room and what you do with all this stuff. And is this like, is this like change the collectibles market? I 100% believe it has or will change the collectibles market because you think, think of how society is right now. Everybody is in front of their phone. All their entire life is on that phone or tablet. When, when you move to a collectibles environment that's strictly digital and you contain it with on your phone, it goes with you. Like a physical statue stays in a shelf in your house. You can take a picture of it, but once you add the interactivity and the augmented reality with these things, like my brother and I, we were playing with the Nightwing on the porch, blowing them up, posing with them, putting them in funny spots. You can't do that with the regular statue. <laughs> that yeah, it, it actually uh, that blows my mind like it like honestly like it, it i mean it's a death spell for my 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 business but <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but i guess i just have to uh up my game in other avenues but there will always be those old people that want to have the physical thing anyway oh, of course that. we learned of that course. with comic books and stuff yeah. that's really what stops us all from collecting is yeah. the place to put it after a while yeah and eventually you have to sell it just to make room for something else this allows you to essentially collect indefinitely it's it's infinite yeah but, but on top of that like what it does now too is and we, we talked about global a global market is that now you have friends who are not your next door neighbors and you know you want to show something off says hey look what i picked up like i mean now you have you have a virtual like you don't have to have it you know people come to your house and you know infect your house with their coronavirus and you know <laughs> People can, you know, they can check out your collection. And finally, I guess that's the one thing, like with, with my collecting, I'm like, oh, I got this massive Punisher collection. I'm like, ah, oh, this is awesome. You know, like, and then I brag about it, but I'm like, it's not as impressive if people can't see it, right? And people don't come to my, it's not like people are flocking to my house. But now, you know, for, for the narcissist in me, I can now like say, oh, now I can like, I guess, essentially put my Punisher collection, not necessarily as it is, but I could put that collection now on the internet for people to yep. say, hey, I own jack darcy's tweet check me out i own you know this exclusive figure you know well, that you're essentially have. creating digital showrooms right exactly share through social media and one of the things that makes nfts so much more attractive is the social aspect of it right it's so connected to social media I, i've seen it okay so i've seen that you've collected those particular figures is there anything else that you're you've been eyeballing on uh your end of it uh, yeah, actually, there are a few pieces of art that we're looking at, but um, I'm also... Beebles? Uh, 
Well, there's the Beeple. Yep, that was auctioned <laughs> off for $69 million Jesus this past week. Christ. Yeah. $69 million for his... Um, I thought it was 6.6. No, it was $69 million Oh, man. For that's his, crazy. Uh, the first 5,000 days. So, yeah, that's that's insane. That's insane. Sorry, I kind of interrupted. What what sort of art uh, artwork are you looking at? Uh, myself? Yeah. Anything that's unique and different. That's what I love about this, this ecosystem that I'm getting into with NFTs is it brings out so much more creativity in people and the 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 range of artistic uniqueness is so cool there's there's places like OpenSea, rareable super rare these are all the places where you can actually go look at nft art buy nft art trade there's a secondary market on there you can actually track and see how artwork is selling it's sold for this much this here this person brought it for this much and it's all tracked. It's really cool. So one of the things that uh, um, in regarding the art industry and stuff like that and collectibles industry is uh, people always had, had an issue with digital media or like, you know, it's always been kind of, oh, well, you know, this artist is a digital artist. So they're not as good as like, you know, a traditional artist. Uh, not but, anymore. But you don't see it anymore. But I think especially because what it's done now is it's made it accessible and accessibility is huge, right? Like, I mean, how many artists can't afford to go out and buy paint? Because paint is ridiculously expensive. So an artist can't go out and afford paint, but if they can get access to the internet and they have access to, you know, like there's, there's free software like GIMP or whatever, like, I mean, obviously like the professionals pay for the, the more expensive stuff, but, you know, I mean, accessibility. So now that that artist that nobody would ever heard of is now able to see it. And I guess in the same way as this, these NFTs, you know, people are, are accessible and it's accessible to everybody, right? So like we said, if I live in an apartment building, I don't, I can't have my 18 friggin' anime figures, you know, displayed. So how do I display them? Well, now that it's accessible to that person who's living in that apartment building, yep. they, they virtually display it. Well, you think about most of our social life is done in a virtual environment. It really why is now. Just, why not just add the collectability part to it as well? Right. Make it like, now we're all finally living what Nintendo's dreamed all of us to be living in the me world, the MII or whatever it's me, we world. It's so funny. Everyone should go back and watch Ready Player One mm -hmm. and yeah. really just start to realize this is the way we're actually trending towards. This is, this is. You can live is, in a virtual world now. Yeah. It's futurism. Or it will be it's long. pure futurism. Yeah. And, and to, to be perfectly honest, like, uh, like, us growing up as Generation Xers, I mean, I'm not 100% positive for you guys, but I mean, for me, it's always been about attaining and collecting and stuff like that, and always oh, absolutely accumulating, right? And uh, but my kids, you know, being their age, uh, don't my my oldest daughter, she does, she's still kind of accumulating stuff, but my my younger kids, they've accumulated only what I bought them, but they don't care about that stuff. They care about virtual stuff. They care about digital stuff, yep. right? And you know, it, it might be heartbreaking to me on one aspect, but on the other side, it's like, well, now they're kind of being more environmentally conscious in a way, right? Like, think of all the packaging that they're not taking, you know, that's not taking up space. Think of all the space that's not being taken up, all the plastics and all that stuff. That being said, uh, one concern that I've seen brought up, and I don't know, you know, what either of you guys know about it, one concern with it, with the NFTs is the uh, ecological uh footprint that seems to be the issue right uh, i think yeah. i read in the article something like one nft transaction equals something like seventy thousand credit card transactions yeah and okay I mean, so perhaps you have do you have any insight to that yourself eric oh 100 so again because these nfts exist in a um 
an existing uh, blockchain structure in Ethereum. Ethereum is very inefficient right. in how uh, uh, blocks are mined. It's it's an old uh, proof of work format. It is it's, it is switching over to a proof of stake format, which there's a whole other situation going on with that right now with the miners and the devs. But what I was mentioning before is about those next generation blockchains, which use 90% less energy, are a thousand percent more efficient, are 10,000 times faster. This is where those environmental impacts will drop to virtually nothing. It, it's just, we, it's, it'll be the natural evolution. We're so yeah. new in this right now. It's like when they were building the cars in the turn of the century, like yeah. black smoke spewed out of all of them because they hadn't quite figured out how to make it just perfect yet. Yeah. And you, you actually hit the word right on the head there, evolution, right? And that's, you know, like anything, right? Like we, we talk about social media and everybody's on social media all the time. But at one point, and well, it still is, but social media at one point was, had a huge carbon footprint. Like Facebook and Google and Twitter were like destroying the environment with all of the processing that they had to do and all the hydro that they were using, like in their yep. servers and stuff like that. So, it, I mean, obviously everything has to evolve at some point. So it, it's good that there is, and I did read in that article as well, that there there is movement for, for better sustainability. You don't have to answer if you're not comfortable with asking, how much did those figures cost you? Uh, the Nightwing cost me $90 and the Batman was sixty dollars and, the and that's in real dollars or that's, so that's so it's the in-app currency is called a gem okay so i i converted fiat dollars to gem and then used the in-app currency to purchase those um nfts right so so much much like a, a video game transaction right like you, you buy you know shark cards or whatever and then right and about six hours because the nightwing sold out within i think the first 30 minutes it crashed the system they had eighty thousand requests in the first minute it crashed the it crashed the whole server uh within a couple hours of that nightwing selling out it was reselling in the secondary market from anywhere from a thousand to two thousand dollars oh crazy that's, man. Awesome. that's crazy so so i ask you then like okay uh because it's technology driven and and to keep all the boomers you know uh interested uh what happens if there's a major crash and the blockchain is lost is it does that happen or is it you know is there a way to make sure that you never ever lose that 100 there's tons of redundancies built into the entire blockchain there's obviously elements that have to be put back on you you have to know how to back up your wallet you have to know how to uh, store your security keys properly there's lots of things like that but it's like anything else it's like storing money or storing anything of value fair enough Just yeah be educated on what you're doing with it and yeah, you'll be good. And and trust me, if if the blockchains are crumbling, there's a bigger problem going on, and you're not going to be worried about that. So. I think uh, the one thing that needs to happen there needs to be a, a layman's kind of discussion or or understanding of how all of it works, right? You know, for instance, like with the blockchains and stuff like that, and wallets, like it's you know, if you if you sit down, and you spend the time, and you figure it out, then you can figure it out. But on the other hand, I mean, you know, old people like us Gen Xers. You know, obviously, Derek, you've got to figure it out. But uh, Andrew and I sometimes we're, we we like looking at clouds and watching them go by, and we still can't figure out how exactly they work. So, <laughs> can I take my uh, my uh, Nightwing character that I just that I just bought, and can I take it into a home with me, like within a video game? That is the future of this technology. Yes, 
So right now it is still in its infancy. So things okay. are only existing in, in micro platforms right now. But as the ecosystem expands and you start getting those macro platforms, oh man, it'll it's literally going to be like Ready Player One. It literally is going to be That's like crazy. It. You're going to be driving around in the DeLorean from Back to the Future, battling the guy from Halo. Taco Bell, um, I understand, uh, did a huge promotion where they were selling tacos online for a dollar. And, and apparently it wasn't actually advertised on the front end, but on the back end, those people that actually invest in those tacos were given a, a year supply of, of Taco Bell. This is taking us to the future. I don't think it's a modern world anymore. I think we're talking the future now. Yes, but it's very, very interesting how quickly the future becomes the present. That is, that is true. That is true. When there was one time where, you know, this idea of me, you and Andrew all talking together and looking at each other's very attractive faces uh, at the same time and held in conversation. It was a work of science fiction. If you had said that, I'd be like, Rob, stop writing your Star Trek fan fiction. Well, 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 we don't talk about Star Trek on the show, just so you know. <laughs> Star Wars is okay. Star Trek, uh, it's a little sketch there. So for somebody that, that doesn't really understand uh nfts what uh kind of what should our kind of first act be into moving into the nft world what, what should that be best bet is uh download an app called vv so v-e-v-e -E, all right okay. it's a it's a app that's run by a company called Ecomi, and this is the the, the app i purchased the nightwing and the batman from and they've got a really, really good front end built into it that's incredibly user-friendly. Uh, it's very intuitive to use. You can purchase your gems using credit card. I think I use PayPal for I love PayPal for that. Uh, it's got uh, the built-in marketplace. They're updating it right now, so it's offline. But um, you can browse collections. You can look at other people's collections. You can share your collections. It's got the augmented reality function in it, so you can pretty much put your collectibles anywhere around you and set them up it's got the showroom uh it's got a built-in wallet so you can store your gems you could even store the native tokens which are called omis very very important because that's the back end that's the technology that runs all this so yeah i would check out vv now what what is a gem worth in comparison to a canadian dollar one gem is worth one us dollar so okay. a dollar whatever that is in canada I think I think we got a good handle on that topic. Uh, anything else you want to ask about that, Andrew? No, I think that that's pretty cool. Now I'm starting to think about, you know, what cartoons that I watched as a as a child that maybe I can go now and buy as an NFT. So why don't we jump into the world of cartoons that we that we watched when we were young? Let me ask you uh, first of all: Have you ever murdered somebody because of what Elmer Fudd did? Uh, not because of what Elmer Fudd did. Not no, that I'm going to no. talk about on the show. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I was trying to catch somebody there and hopefully turn in for a reward. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so let, let's talk about some of the cartoons they watch as a kid, right? I mean, obviously, uh, we, we hit briefly on it about anime and stuff like that and how much I hated uh, Astro Boy as a child, but now I've grown to love anime in general. But uh, what did you, Eric, what, what was the thing that you turned on every morning before school or whenever you whenever it was the first option for you to watch a cartoon what was the cartoon you go to so I, the, one of the earliest cartoons obviously i can remember watching uh was of course looney tunes mm -hmm. um, i think it was I, for all of us yeah like <laughs> there wasn't a point of a week where i didn't watch something looney tunes right um 
and again, that was probably late seventies. As I drifted into the early eighties, it was things like um, G Force, Battle of the Planets. Right, right. G Force. Um, we always knew it as G Force. Yeah, it was. Well, it was G Force in Canada, right? Yeah, right. yeah. Was, was that was that so? Was that actually it, or because I, I every iteration I've looked at it since I was a kid, it was always been Battle of the Planets. Yeah, but I always remembered it as G Force. It was G Force in Canada. The, okay. the Canadian okay. license, I think it was in Alabama right. or whatever, called it right. G Force. It was Battle of the Planets in the states, and it was called Gachaman in Japan. In, in Japan, okay. Yeah. Um, That's cool. And again, yeah, it was uh, G Force and GI Joe and Transformers. I was never big right. on the He Man. Oh, yeah, oh, I, my brother was. Oh, my brother was huge. Oh, I've got uh, two younger brothers that were huge into He Man. They okay, they yeah, own they like the gray, gray Skull and stuff yeah, like that. Uh, no, no, I think I own Gray Skull, and your brothers are jealous that I own Gray Skull. Oh, um, I think <laughs> Scott now has your Gray Skull. Oh, he probably does. <laughs> what, what about you, Andrew? Um, what, was, what was your show? I, I as well, too, was a, a Looney Tunes fanatic, and, and actually, I own like five different uh comic cells now that hang on my wall from that show um, very nice i was a huge justice league uh geek you know oh. your wonder twin oh. powers activate oh right oh yeah oh yes oh. no no i said uh, i mean i love my superheroes back then yeah but they, they were dc superheroes <laughs> oh, yeah but you had you had gleek the monkey yeah. <laughs> it's super dog. Right? <laughs> How about you, Rob? What what were you watching? Well, well I just, just couldn't touch on the Looney Tunes thing. Uh, there was a, the, the funny thing about Looney Tunes is that if it was on and you're flipping through the channels, you had your, your box of 13 different buttons on it and you had 13 channels. And you hit that. Oh, box look at you. 13. I, I, 13, had, yeah. I had four, but I mean, uh, whatever. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. That's the way it was. Looks I don't know. Bendy. We were the rich kids. Apparently, we were the rich kids in the neighborhood. But uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, we we uh, if you saw Looney Tunes, you stopped. It wasn't you know like oh it's Astro Boy, Astro Boy, I'm going to the next channel or something like that. It was like Looney Tunes. You stopped. You wanted to see what antics they got up to, even though you've probably seen it 20 other times. You wanted to see what Bugs Bunny was doing or what uh, you know Peppy Le Pew was doing at the time, and you know it was that was the way Looney Tunes was. You didn't you didn't stop for anything else you stop for looney tunes or unless it was a sunday night and then you're watching disney the wonderful disney world the, of and the muppet or, show, or the, the oh, muppet yeah, show. Yeah, 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 just, yeah. i was literally just about to say the muppet show yes uh, uh as as discussed i'm a huge fan of the muppets uh as for cartoons like it for me was uh my, my morning routine was to skip uh to skip over on uh uh astro boy and uh inspector gadget i did not like inspector gadget uh, I don't know I'd it watch it if it was on, like if there's nothing else on yeah. to watch. But I, I wasn't a big yeah. fan. Uh, but for me, it was, it was He Man. I watched He Man, uh, not a cartoon, but I watched the Batman, the old Adam West Batman, every day at lunch. Oh yes, yeah, that was fantastic. Batman, yeah. Batman and the Flintstones. You know, that was always Batman, Flintstones, and then uh, before I had to go to school, I'd catch maybe a little bit of uh, the Green Hornet. Uh, Hanna Barbera put out some fantastic cartoons. Oh. Oh, did they my, ever? My father, Absolutely. My father used to call me Boo Boo Bear after <laughs> Boo Boo and uh, Yogi Bear, right? So, so yeah, so uh, the Flintstones were, like, integral to my life. I don't know why. Like, I mean, you know, I had the uh, the vitamins, but uh, we watched the Flintstones all day long. And I think it's because my parents had watched it, you know, and they loved it. Because back then, for them, it was prime time, right? 
So because it was considered adult content, you know, so much yeah. like today's Simpsons, or I guess maybe that was yesterday's yeah. Simpsons. <laughs> yeah, now now it's today's Family Guy or whatever you. Well, it's twenty five years old, thirty years old. Yeah. I don't know how old it is now. Yeah, whatever whatever you watch on uh, Netflix these days is pretty uh, pretty raunchy. Did you guys ever hear the conspiracy theory around the Flintstones? No, no, I don't think so. So everyone is the premise that the Flintstones actually like take place in the past. The conspiracy theory is the Flintstones actually takes place in the future during a post-apocalyptic where uh, humans, human society has been wiped out and they've kind of had to reset, which is why they still know things about telephones, televisions, washing machines, and all the things like that. Modern technology, but that's been reduced to a prehistoric set. Well, that, that could explain the Great Gazoo. That could explain the Great Gazoo. Was it the Great Gazoo? I can't remember. Is that his name? Yep. Yep. I'm I'm a, I'm a conspiracy nut. I'll admit I, I I enjoy the good conspiracy, but I don't know uh, I don't know about that one. Sure, why not? Now I've got to go back and start rewatching. Right. Um, well, you're gonna to, start looking for the Easter egg. Yeah. Now. Yeah. No, exactly. That's uh, that, that be, that's really become a part of my like uh, my my watching life now is just looking for Easter eggs, especially with like you know Star Wars and and what Marvel has done with uh, their or Disney and whatever Disney Marvel whatever they've done with all their shows like Wandavision and stuff like that. Uh, you know, it's it's crazy just how many Easter eggs people put into shows and in conspiracy theories that you can actually draw from that kind of stuff. It's it's nuts. Uh, now, is there anything that you watched that you might be a little ashamed to say that you watched? Well, I'm gonna I'll, I'll come out since uh, I'll put you guys on the spot. I'll give you a second to think. Gem and the holograms. You know, I was just thinking about that show. Like I was trying to think of a cartoon that I may have saw. It wasn't that I was a big fan of it, but I'd probably watch it if there was no other cartoon to watch. I don't know why. I don't know why I liked it. It was Gem and the Holograms, and uh, my parents always gave me a weird look when I when I wanted it on the television. You know, did you guys watch something that was way too young for you? Well, what were those? The, the Care Bears. Oh, don't tell me. Don't tell me you watch Care Bears. <laughs> no, I didn't. Okay. All right. <laughs> so I'm just I'm just thinking about something that was young, but I do have uh, two younger brothers. The the youngest one being like six years younger than me. So that was a phase that, that he went through. Uh, I think he's got a few t-shirts now. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll blame it on that, yeah. <laughs> I remember one guilty pleasure that I liked watching, and I was a little bit older at the time, was the raccoons. Oh, oh yeah. Oh. But they always had uh, the they specials. Always put on a good Christmas special. Yeah, yeah, they did. They did. But it was always, I always felt like when I was watching this, like, I'm like, I'm probably a little too old for this, <laughs> but I'm still watching it. So, so you know, you know how like you guys probably remember that back in the day they'd always have kind of like the CBC special presentation, whatever whatever channel it was. I don't know, it was a special presentation. They'd have that banner, the bumper fly right before they they'd put the show on. And as a kid, mm -hmm. like my dad would turn it on and be like, "Oh, special presentation." So he he'd have checked it out with the TV guide and knew something was coming up that the kids <laughs> the kids would want to see or whatever. My mom would want to see, and it's like. Oh, you know, it's gonna what's what's gonna be? Is gonna be the Muppets? Is it gonna be like uh, the Charlie Brown? Is it gonna be something really awesome? And then the raccoons came on, and we're like, oh. Oh. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> So, like, speaking of your dad checking out the TV guide, like that seems like such a foreign concept now. <laughs> you, you now you click on your TV and look at what's coming up. It gives you a nice description, maybe a little trailer that leads into it. But uh, the TV guide, like people subscribe to the TV guide. 
Mm -hmm. I, I am going to credit the television guide, the TV guide, that old that crossword in the back there, and well, yeah, probably the TV guide because I, I I would read through it looking for my shows, but I would credit that with my amazing grammar skills. I'm not gonna lie, I knew how to spell things that nobody else could spell. I knew how, I knew trivia guide. because of the TV guide. I knew trivia. My mother, who is an amazing, uh, you she she has a tendency to say things that are, are very inappropriate, but she can spell things unbelievably and she she knows words that you wouldn't expect somebody of her age to know and it's just because probably because we sat there and we did the tv guide puzzles together or we'd go through the tv guide and we learned picked up words you know i was amazing i, actually, fortune I collected player. the tv guide for for a couple of years i i had <laughs> this I, stupid tv guide collection it's not a stupid collection it's actually it's it, believe it or not there there is a market for it I actually have a Princess Diana one here in the shop, and uh, I did I did own a Trish Stratus one at some point. I don't know if I still have. Well, one. it's it's funny because you you mentioned about like using the crossword puzzles and building your vocabulary, and it just it took me right back to that episode of The Simpsons where they were at the um, uh, parent teacher interview, and the teacher asked Homer, "Well, how is Lisa so smart?" And she's like, "You must have read to her a lot." And it was Homer reading her the TV guide. <laughs> <laughs> and it was always reading the TV guide, writing to the TV guide, and renewing the TV guide. The three R's of the TV guide. That's why Lisa was so smart. That's it. So this might sound like a stupid segue, but at the same time, like you went to the record shop as a kid. You went there to learn about new music, right? You didn't have access to the internet. You didn't have a, a music guide. You had the record shop. So let's talk about record shops. So as a kid, I mean, did you guys go to your local record shop? Oh, yeah, definitely. Every every day after school, it was literally on our walk home from school. I, I We walked right past that record shop. And oh, my God, yeah, I can, I can remember the music in there and just exploring different sounds. And oh, it was so cool. So cool. The dude behind the counter, he'd be the one that would introduce you into all the new music that was so coming out. So what's funny is the guy that ran the record store was also our mailman. <laughs> interesting, interesting. So yeah. So so he knew he knew this kind of stuff that you're ordering online. Well, not online, but ordering through the back of the TV guide. Yep. So then he knew uh, yep. he knew what to tell you when you showed up at that record store. Yeah, that's right. I think the. Uh, <laughs> The, the first 45 that I bought was Bob and Doug's Strange Brew. Nice. Oh, nice. 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 So for our American listeners or anybody who's not as old as us, Bob and Doug are Canadian icons, Canadian idols. Uh, they came from SCTV, Second City Television. That was a huge, uh, That you know what? I'm going to have to put that on the topic list as well someday. Uh, oh, yeah. Second, oh, I spend hours. Yeah, on that. I love it. Second City still has a major effect on uh, on media these days, as you witnessed by Shit's Creek, uh, the, that awesome show uh, with Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara, both stars, former stars of SCTV. I did have Bob and Doug action figures that I ended up selling at some point that were amazing. They're uh, McFarland toys uh, action figures. Uh, they uh, they were so detailed. They had like they had donuts. They had bottle caps. They had bottle caps that that. I lost a couple of. They had uh, a barbecue on the table, and they had a sound bite. So each one came with a half a stage, 
and the, the Canadian, uh, the, the Great White North poster behind them was like split in half. So you put it together, you sat them together and uh, there was like a barbecue, there was uh, a cooler with full of like stubby beers. And uh, oh, it was amazing. And you press a button and be like, uh, hey, that's a jelly, eh? And that was like, oh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why, why I sold it. I just said there was a buddy that, that he, he was interested in. And I'm like, you know what? I'll get it again someday. And I never did. But oh, you yeah, needed room. I needed room. Yeah. Maybe they'll make an NFT of it. I remember as a kid going to a record shop. Uh, there was one locally called Second Wave, I believe it was. Well, even before that, let's go back to even before that when you're much younger and stuff like that. We had, uh, I guess, Music World uh was yep. was a local one uh that was a bigger brand what about toronto do you guys ever go to toronto sam the record? record man sam the oh, record man yeah, yeah. It, it was the pilgrimage going to oh, sam the sure. record man and a and a's that were right beside each other yep. like oh absolutely you'd spend days in there i remember going to sam the record man though and i remember going in there and being intimidated i felt like i was like it was almost too i wasn't a big enough music file to to be in their audio file i wasn't big enough to be in there like i just felt like wow like these are people that really know music you know and but it was it was yeah it was like glorious right i mean we, we that was part of our pilgrimage we go to sam the record man we go to much music and we go to uh the uh steve's music which was like a, an instrument they sold oh, guitars yeah. and stuff like that and uh that was like it right that was why you went downtown you you busted or you trained it to downtown toronto and you made it to and it's, it was like Young Street and Queen Street, right? You, yep. you walk from one end to the other. And uh, yeah, that was amazing. But uh, going back to, to my local one, uh, we had uh, the, the guy there would sell me everything. It was crazy. He had he would put stuff aside for me. I, at the time I was going to that shop, I was like the, the headbanger, the, uh, the metal head at the time. And he, right. sold, he even sold me one CD. And, and I'm ashamed to say as I bought it, but it was, uh, it was a Metallica interview CD. It was a bootleg, but it was just an interview with them. And he sold it to me on the premise that on the inside, there's a special picture, but you, you know, it was, it was sealed. Right. So I bought it. I think I paid like 15 bucks for it, which was, you know, exorbitant at that time, especially in a used record shop. And I took it home and it was a picture of Lars Ulrich naked grabbing his wiener and whatever he was doing with it. <laughs> and I'm going, oh my. and I spent 15 bucks on it. I thought, okay, it's gotta be a good song on here. It's gotta be a good song. How, how was the, how was the interview? I don't remember. It was. I, you know what though? That's probably a collector's item now. Yeah, and I don't have yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, it actually ended up going in the garbage because I was mocked about it. <laughs> my, my brother. <laughs> Maybe made. you shouldn't have shown everyone with the picture. <laughs> well, I was thinking, this is gonna be. Is this cool? I don't know. Is this cool? <laughs> you know, I'll show my friends. None, none of my hey, friends are like Metallica. My my brother was. He like he liked metal music. He introduced me to Metallica, but he wasn't like a i hard like i was and it was just like so i showed him he goes are, he's are like hard wieners cool <laughs> he's like what's wrong with you <laughs> i didn't know i don't know somebody tell me what's wrong with me <laughs> so that was one of my many uh does this not excite you <laughs> that was one of my many times as a child that uh where i had to inner inner dialogue with myself about what i was doing wrong with my life <laughs> all thanks to the record show you know what that that but now, though, you think about being able to own something, something like that, that would be priceless. Uh, I think to, to a certain extent. I mean, I'd, I'd probably... I don't know. I think it'd be cool. I don't know if I'd advertise it, but, uh, you know, it's... Uh, 
Yeah, like I mean, it's it's it was not the photo, but no, the yeah. interview. Yeah, it, it was it was a bootleg, which which at the time was pretty big back then. If you had a bootleg, you were kind of cool, right? Uh, yeah, I always had those friends that had the bootleg, you know, uh, whether it was I, I, you know, ministry or something like that, uh, just a bootleg album that other people didn't have access to. And you're always like, wow, you know, that guy's pretty cool because he has a bootleg. And I had my bootleg guys. It, it's a picture of Lars's penis. I used to have buddies that would take their Walkmans down, put it on a back table at live shows and to record, to actually record the show live. Like the, the quality was crap, but I mean, then you were happy with it. But it's the bootleg. Yeah, it, you had the bootleg. I remember at one point, uh, the university uh, in our town, uh, they had these shows, uh, like uh, trade shows, right? And it was comic books and collectibles and stuff like that. And they had that one guy who had must have had a, four tables full of VHSs and their concert footage. And yeah. yeah, so he was like the original, you know, the original guy that people, <laughs> that the, the band leaders would kick in the face, you know, with their cameras. Cause he was that guy recording it and then selling it. And I remember looking for like, we, we, all of us went looking for that, that concert that we wanted to see or the concert that we'd gone to and, yeah. and supported that guy. Right now, now we look at him like, Oh yeah. Who does that? You know, that, that, I hate those people with their cameras up front. Meanwhile, it's like, uh, we all, we all did that. I bought it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Many, many of yeah. us. Yeah. Well, I mean, now everybody has their phone out for the entire concert. I don't, I don't know how they can even say, you know, don't, you can't record the show. Yeah. You'd have to take everybody's phone away as yeah. you walk in the yeah. door. Well, there was somebody, I, I don't remember who it was. It was a big na name uh, band that demanded that everybody's phones get sealed and locked away at the start of the show. And they actually had like, it was part of like, if you wanted in the show, you had to put your phone in a pouch and, Oh yeah. I don't remember who it was. Was it I feel like it was Eddie Vedder, but I don't think it was. He's not I don't think he's quite like that, but it was something somebody like from that generation, I think. Right. Um it was it, I've been to lots of shows where you had to do that. Yeah. I've, even, did, I've been even, to movies, like first releases of movies where mm -hmm. I've had to turn over my phone at, at the beginning. Yeah. Uh but I've never been to a to a concert. I had to do that the last time I saw Louis CK live last year. We had oh, to turn really? in our phone. Wow. Yeah. In Niagara Falls, you had to turn in your phone. Interesting. Now, was that yeah. was that before or after he kind of exposed himself? Uh, pardon the pun. It was. It was after. <laughs> after well, okay, so so yeah, it it was part of his his comeback where he was right. testing out material. Right. Oh, so he just didn't want some of that material to to get out if it exactly wasn't wasn't really quality material yet. Yeah, that's that's like it still I, was being developed. Totally. Well, um, to, on top of that, that's totally understandable because once that stuff hits social media, you know, it'll get torn apart, especially after what oh, yeah. the the being he took on social media in the first place. Yeah. Uh, so, did you guys go to the record store with the intention of like that? the guy behind the counter and knew what he was talking about and what he was selling you? Or did you go to him for advice? You thought he did. Yeah. Anyway, because you, you're a teenager. Yeah. Or barely a teenager. And uh, you, you just, he, he, to, at that point, he was grown up. Yeah. And he, and he works in the store. He's got to know what he's talking about. So, so Derek, I know that you have a, a different taste in music. You're, you're in, industrial and stuff like that with Skinny Puppy. I know you're a big fan. So I yeah. think that... You probably had that definitely had if somebody kind of feed you information because that stuff I wasn't did, actually mainstream by any means. And, and um, it's not going to be from where you thought it was going to be. From. Really? So I got into this whole industrial scene 
um, from the produce manager at the store I worked at when I was in high okay, school. Okay, okay. So he he was into music I had never heard of before. I was getting into, like, I was really big into yellow, art of noise, that kind of stuff, like more of the electronic. I hadn't gotten into the hard industrial stuff yet. And we were talking one night and he's like, okay, so you like this music? He made me a mixtape. Yeah, mixtapes. <laughs> and on this mixtape was Skinny Puppy, Ministry, KMFDM, Daniel Ash, um, Slaughterhouse, Front 242, Frontline Assembly. Uh -huh. And I played this tape and that was it. It was like Pandora's box open and I <laughs> right. never looked back. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's, it, it, you know what? It's always like that though too, right? Like my brother was, he was the guy that kind of got me into heavy metal music. I was listening to Michael Jackson and Madonna and uh, it always been in my house because he'd always had Kiss albums and uh, we'd play hockey in our basement and he had uh, his mixtape, which had everything from like Led Zeppelin to like Heart to Metallica to, you know, uh, uh you know whoever right and uh but then I, i'd always been focused on like my 80s pop music and stuff like that and then uh andrew got me into Corey hart <laughs> but uh, that was extreme but then uh yeah then i started picking up a metallica and then it was all downhill from there but yeah what i would often do would i like if i got into one particular artist like i would then start going like deep down into their their back catalog yeah. mm -hmm. and really getting to know everything that that they had put out yeah 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 it's funny andrew uh, or sorry derek uh, you're talking to about uh some of those bands that you're naming off like frontline assembly and stuff like that what we we talked in one of our last episodes about uh music that scares you or bands that scare you but you still enjoy industrial music was what, one of the topics that we kind of brought up because some of that stuff is sketch Right. Like, I mean, just the topics that they sing about and, and, and their mannerisms and stuff like that. It's like some of it's amazing music for sure. But like, I mean, do you listen to the Aphex Twins? That's really what I'm getting at. <laughs> the Aphex yes. Twin? I love Aphex okay. Twin. Richard D. James. Okay. Huge Richard D. James fan. Okay. Just so you know that they're, they're one song, uh, uh, I can't remember the name of the title off the top of my head. Uh, the video has them, uh, a bunch of little midget man people. Come to Daddy. Yes, Come to Daddy. That's it. And uh, that actually is on the top of all the lists of most disturbing music videos uh, that you will ever come across. Every list you will look, the Aphex Twin song will be up there. The thing is, it's I'm watching that oh, right I, after the show. Okay, yes, he definitely needs I it. could top what I could top it. I yep. could show you something that he did after oh. that that will absolutely <laughs> freak you. Okay, out. well then I need a link. Yep. I need links. Yeah, because I'll send it beauty. to you for sure. Because yep. I'm always searching for that stuff. Uh, I've searched for movies, most disturbing movies and stuff like that. But Aphex Twin, Come to Daddy is always at the top of the list. So, oh, but, uh, great song yeah. too. But that was always the thing too. Was and going back to record shops and stuff like that is that you always found that stuff that you know you you couldn't hear on the radio or if you, unless you were listening to like you know oh, never. university radio or whatever. But uh, yeah, like there was always the stuff that stuff that you'd see on the wall or behind the shelf or behind the counter, and you'd look at it, you eyeball it, but then you would be you know afraid to ask about it. You weren't sure if it was like meant for you or for that real, real, you know, guy that with that real audiophile, right? So was there diehard? Yeah. So I guess I guess my, my point is, is there is there something that a record guy picked up for you uh, at one of those shops that stuck with you? Yeah, I remember I was in um, Looney Tunes in Burlington. Okay. Um, and it was just like a little hole in the wall. He sold tons of bootlegs. 
and I, I had already like I was into industrial and stuff like that and I was starting to branch out a little bit more and I was telling him some of the things I was listening to and he handed me the CD and the CD was from the 70s and I knew the artist because I was a huge fan of uh, Van Gallis's Blade Runner soundtrack right. yeah right. But I'd never listened to any of else. Correct. And he handed me Van Gallus's Spiral. Okay. And I took this thing home and I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. I never would have, I never would have bought this if this guy hadn't said, here, buy the CD. You're going to, if you don't like it, you can return it to me. Interesting. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. And I, I freaking loved it. Yeah, are there still record shops that are like, no, like used record shops anymore that aren't like uh just oh yeah i mean i know there's the beat goes on that's local but uh i feel that they're not really they're they're, they're almost like a, a chain kind of set up now but there, it, there are a couple uh local radio uh sorry record uh record shops uh orange monkey is uptown waterloo um this is ontario canada just so everybody one. knows yeah exactly uh, another one there's another one i can't remember the name of it in, in kitchener as well too but there there are shops that are dedicated just to records now wow yeah that's cool and records are crazy now too right i mean i just we we talked again about this last show about going down this rabbit hole of record collecting and uh not getting into it any anytime soon hopefully andrew didn't go and buy that record player that i told him about at walmart for 79.99 but uh, and we're not sponsored by Walmart, just so everybody knows. But if Walmart would like to sponsor us, yes, please. And uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, yeah, the records like they they really are coming out now with uh, they're really pushing the envelope with the stuff that they release with them. So it's awesome that uh, that there are record stores that are still there, like standalone stores that you know are trying to sell that old stuff and try to you know encourage people to to expand their listening. Yep. They're there. They're they're hanging in there. Yeah. And you know what? It's not even old stuff. The a lot of a lot of bands are are coming out with records now. Yeah. And they along with it comes the digital download. So yeah, you, yeah. you will still have their music to have digitally on your phone, but there's still something that tactile piece to it of being able to open up open up an album and look at the artwork. Look at the artwork. Read all of the That's lyrics. Right. Spin the vinyl in your hand. Ooh, yeah. Decide which side am I going to play yeah. first? So, uh, Derek, as as a child, did you do you sit in front of the record player with the albums and stare at them while you're listening to them with a the headset on? Um, this is going to be funny. Um, we actually didn't have a record player growing okay. up. Uh, my dad was only into classical music, okay. which he could get on the radio, right. so he never bothered with records. And my mom had such a finite music taste that they had a cassette deck and i could name you the 10 cassettes that they owned. wow yep okay and and that was it like all my parents were not big into music right interesting so my entire musical journey was was completely self-discovery well hey, that's i mean that's pretty awesome too like to be fair like i mean my my dad was was he was pretty musically inclined but i mean he had a, definitely had his his taste right like i mean the waylon jennings and but he loved bruce springsteen but so i think i was i was lucky because i got exposure to a very wide mix of music i say that's unfortunate for you but at the same time i mean you, you the, the self-discovery i think is is a great way for it to go as well or like i had to listen to certain things but you you had to discover certain things and that was almost fun of it too yeah and a lot of it was uh purely by accident like I remember I was dialing the music station trying to find something other than like 
whatever my parents were listening to, like 98.1 or whatever. <laughs> and I came across 89.5, which is a college radio station out of Toronto. And it was playing Stigmata from Ministry. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember listening to this and I'm like, whoa. Is, is Ministry like the first industrial band in everybody's like repertoire? Like, is it? Uh, well, from, no. From our age group. <laughs> Mine was Skinny Puppy. Skinny Puppy, okay. okay. Interesting, okay. Yeah. Interesting. I was, I, I was Skinny Puppy two years before Ministry. I was 86 for Skinny Puppy, 88 for Ministry. Yeah, because uh, I know Andrew and I both, well, I, at least I know I was, my first industrial taste was Thieves by Ministry, uh, which to yeah. me still is still on my playlist. Still on my playlist. Yep. And uh, the album Psalm 69, that whole album, I mean, I rotated that. That must have blown up my Sears CD player uh, on its own, just because that thing was cranked. I got it when I listened to that album. And uh, I, I've told a few stories about uh, my ministry experiences. But, uh, I, I don't know, definitely people seem to know ministry. When you talk about industrial, you know ministry. Alice Jorgensen was, uh, well, I mean, he, he had a big hand in industrial music in general. He played oh, with a few band, different bands, right? Well, he had um, the Revolting Cocks. He was right. part of, um, what was it, Pig Face. Uh, was it 1,000 Homo DJs? Was he part of that as well? 1,000 Homo DJs was an offshoot of his. <laughs> yep. Revolting Cocks. Okay. All right. This takes me back a little bit. Uh, no band has a better name than the Revolting Cocks. Yep. And what was it? Was it them that did Beer, Steers, and Queers? That's them. Nobody has a better song than that. Yep. Beer, Steers, Steers and, Queers. and Queers. Yep. Yep. Uh, what a great song. Andrew, I'm going to send you a link to that. You need to listen to that if you haven't heard yeah. that before. No, I, I'm not even familiar with it. Okay. Somehow I missed that growing up. Uh, that was that was part of my, and I, I learned a lot of this from record shops too. Part of it was trying to find that thing that was most revolting. Industrial music from the record shops was my foray into offending as many people as possible when I could. Yep. yep. And I think that's one of the things why I absolutely loved it yep. is because A, it turned heads because nobody else was listening to it. And B, it was mine. Nice. I was the only one listening to this. Yeah, that, that was the great thing, right? But then tell me, if, if somebody heard it and somebody responded to you and said, hey, I know that, were you not super ecstatic about that as well? Oh, I was stoked. And I was like, yeah. oh, yeah, you know what? There's more of us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then you were also defensive about it at the same time. Like, well, no, yeah, I, mean, yeah. I, I know more about it than you do. I was listening to it first. Yeah. yeah being the gatekeepers that we are you know that's that's it exactly like yeah. you only know this one song yeah yeah i've got three ministry t-shirts you only yeah. have one oh. <laughs> so. uh i guess you know that's uh that's been a good chat guys uh yeah that's uh, awesome derek thank you so much yeah. for joining us appreciate oh, you coming my out. pleasure my guys thank you uh, i love i'm i'm definitely looking at nfts now like this is actually kind of exciting for me um you know i'm, I'm still going to maintain my physical collections for now uh because you know I gotta sell some, so. Uh, Let's all go check out VV. Yeah, yeah. VV, yeah, V E V E. Uh, that's pretty cool. So uh, anyway, yes, I appreciate you coming out, Derek. This is a great time. I enjoyed it, and hopefully uh, we can get you to come out for a couple other ones of these and discuss. Anytime, guys. Thanks very much. Beautiful. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks Cheers. for coming out as well, Andrew. And uh, yeah, we will see you guys all later. Please check out tribe74.com and uh, and look at NFTs. Take it easy. Cheers. Goodbye. Bye. Bye, everyone.